Thank you so much for tuning in to the Power Up Your Sales podcast. This is episode two of a three-part series featuring Dr. Jerome Gafford. Dr. Gafford is the Clinical Assistant Professor of Marketing in the Center for Professional Sales at the University of Texas at Dallas, or just call him the sales doctor. So in your experience, because you work not only with students, but you have your your own consultancy practice as well. Uh, So uh, across the broad um, range of clients and salespeople that you coach and develop, um, do you see, is it all a prospecting skill deficit? Or like we've talked about before, how much of it is the hesitation to prospect that that isn't really a quote unquote hard skill? Right. You know, I, I think it's some of both. I, I think initially, when when we um, when we start working with people that are having difficulty in the in the prospecting piece of their business, oftentimes it, it's just a matter of knocking over the first domino. You know, they okay. once once we help them realize that that you know the phone doesn't weigh ten thousand pounds, and a person's not going to reach through the phone and grab the side of their head and jerk it off, <laughs> and then you know they make their first couple of calls. And it's, you know, they, they see that it's, it becomes part of the process. And, and I think that's one of the things a lot of, of new sales reps get hung up on is they think everybody's got this quote of, you know, in this render mind, you know, he, he or she is the, you know, a born salesperson. And, and we, in our program, we, we help our students learn that sales is a process. And if, if, you, if you just go through the steps of the process and work those correctly, then you get better at it each time you do it, and it starts to become successful for you over time. The I think the reason some of the reasons that people don't make that initial step is the the fear factor. They are afraid that somebody's going to yell at them on the phone, or they're going to you know, they're going to say that that inevitable word no that you you, you certainly don't want to hear that ever in your life. But but we all those of us in sales know that that's part of that process. And so the the uh, this idea of of promoting themselves. Uh, getting engaged in what it takes to be great at, at promoting yourself. Uh, and it's, it's not about having, you know, the big marketing banner and 1,200 websites and you know, <laughs> a thousand emails a day going out. It, it's all about how you present yourself and how confident you are in presenting yourself. And that can be through conversation uh, and things of this type. But when, when we look at these fear items, we have to dig more into it than, than, than when someone just says, oh, you know, I don't like to make phone calls. Okay, I don't know many salespeople that like to make phone calls, <laughs> um, but but there's a reason for that. There's a, there's something deeper going on uh, in the mind and in the heart of that person who who doesn't like to make calls. And so what what we try to do then is is work with them and find out what the real issues are, you know. And if we if we can break it down into small pieces and then work on each piece step by step, we can kind of get them over that hurdle. And they start to realize after a short period of time that it that there's, there's nothing really magic about it. It's just a matter of understanding the reason. And let's work on the reasons and fix that so that they feel, do feel comfortable. And that fear piece is not there going forward. If we can if we can address, you know, why they they don't want to make the call or why they don't want to go to a networking event or or why they don't feel comfortable doing a presentation for somebody, then we can start to get them over that hurdle step by step. So. 
kind of along the same lines. Uh, we've talked about this before. Um, salespeople, and, and it could be an organizational thing too. You know, they hide behind, or we accuse them of hiding behind deflected identities where they call themselves um, solutions consultants or uh, relationship managers or what have you. And, and at times that's imposed by um, other people in the organization. And at, at times it's something that salespeople themselves are more comfortable with. So why do you think it's important for salespeople to truly just embrace the role that they were hired to do and not hide behind a de deflected identity? Well, there, there's a... There's a philosophy that I, I like to work with on my students, and it's about the, being congruent in everything that you do. And uh, this congruency model has to do with uh, about four or five you know, functions that happen in, in our minds in the sales role. You, of course, you, you want to feel good about the product you sell, certainly. Um, you want to feel um, good about, um, about yourself and the role. That, that's a big part of what we're talking about here. There are about you know, three, four, five things so that all need to be working uh, in tandem with each other. And if any one of those is not working in tandem, then the, the whole thing kind of starts to fall apart. It kind of gets out of balance like a like a tire on your car, so to speak. And so we, we spend a lot of time with, the, especially on our corporate training folks, working on those, those five pieces that we want to bring into that model uh, to get them all working in the same direction. And one of those is, you know, the view of the sales career, the sales profession. And, um, and, you know, we, we've heard comments and stories over the years of, of, of people who were, uh, who were very successful in sales, but they just weren't very good people. And, and oftentimes we tend to associate those kind of situations with what we think the, the selling world really is. And the reality of it is, is selling is nothing more than just helping someone else accomplish what they want. Uh, if it, it could be in an individual situation, it could be in a business situation, it could be in a large enterprise situation. And for us as the salespeople to, to, to build that mindset or build that belief system that, that selling is a noble profession, that, that's part of the reason we started teaching sales uh, at the undergraduate education level. Because very few, there's still only about 50 or 60 schools in the country that teach undergraduate professional selling programs. And so we're, we're doing this because just like any other uh, trade or profession that you think about today, uh, if you take people that work in accounting or engineering or, or doctors or whatever that may be, you know, there, there was a time in history where, where those professions were just considered skills that people learned. And through the years, as we brought those into higher education and incorporated research and, and you know, some some trial and error and started to bring that professional image into the selling world. Uh, that's the same thing that happened with all of these other professions that we hear about in schools today. And so that's, that's our goal in, in, the, uh, in the professional selling world from an education standpoint is to help students understand that selling is a great profession. Uh, I, I always educate my students and help them see that if you look at most companies out there today, with the exception of the, the C-suite level people, uh, the salespeople are oftentimes some of the highest paid people in the organization. And, and it's not all about making the money, but it, it's about what they're doing to help others out uh, to achieve their goals. And in doing so, they can achieve uh, their goals as well. So I think from a, um, uh, you know, when we talk about the, the to, 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 for, for student, new students and new salespeople to come across as a, you know, as confident 
Uh, confident without being pushy. Nobody likes a pushy person, but you certainly want someone who's confident. You certainly want somebody who's competent. Uh, you probably would like to, to work with somebody. Uh, I'm saying if I'm the buyer, I'm certainly wanting to work with somebody who is um, uh, who, who understands you know my industry and my business uh, as well, if not better than I do. Because if the salesperson is that knowledgeable about the industry and the business, then then they're not really in the mind of the buyer. They're not really a sales rep. Uh, they're not a vendor. They're more of a colleague where that's helping them run their business more efficiently. And I think if, if new salespeople, even experienced salespeople, if they would work more on developing that collaborative environment and, and being a trusted uh, colleague and, and confidant with each of their customers, then they, they just feel better about themselves and about the environment because everything starts working back in the right direction. And, you know, some of the things we, we talk to our students about, you know, maintaining, you know, honesty and, and being open and having candor and, and letting the customer know that, that, you know, everything that you're working on is, is for their benefit. And if something doesn't go well, if there's a, if there's a breakdown somewhere, maybe, um, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of items that are showing up as out of stock because of the production facilities being offline for a while. And so it, you need to be open and honest with that conversation. If a buyer says, well, I need to have this item in my facility within two weeks, you know, you need to be honest and let them know, say, well, let me check to see where we are on inventory. And if I can get it here in two weeks, I'll have it here in two weeks. But if I can't, I will let you know as soon as I can have it here. But, you know, don't make promises that you can't fulfill, because if you ever do that once, they lose all trust and faith in you as a salesperson and they will then they, they just think of you as another sales rep. And you want to you want to avoid that. a lot of those those negative connotations or things that can be avoided just by doing the right thing all the time. So for salespeople to see themselves that way and to um, consider themselves uh, like a, a, a colleague or really a partner in their pr prospective client or client's business, um, that's one thing. Um, what can sales managers do to help create and um, instill that kind of culture within their organization so that their salespeople can thrive? Right. That, that's a, a, a lot of discussion going on and has been for the last number of years about the effectiveness of, of the sales manager role. And, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you a quick story that, that I um, uh, that I was faced when I back when I was working in the selling role. I worked with a company that was headquartered up in the Northeast and uh, got a letter in the mail one day that said, "Congratulations, you've been invited to the Top Gun program." And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, "Okay, I'm going to Miramar to fly jets with Ice and Goose and those guys out there in California." <laughs> but that wasn't what it was. This particular company had a program called Top Gun, and and what they did is they recognized uh, the top selling representatives from their seven or eight regions around the country. And, and for whatever reason, I was recognized in, in this region here of the Southeast uh, to go and be a member of this of the Top Gun program. And Top Gun program for that company was to bring salespeople that were successful in the field, train them in the sales management role for that company so that they could move on and take over a territory and, and become a sales manager for the firm. And so I, I was I was you know excited to, once I got there, found out what it was all about. Very, you know, felt very good that I'd been recognized for that. Uh, so we get there on the first day and, and the VP of sales for the company comes in and spends about 10, 15 minutes with us. I think there were about 18 or so people who had been recognized in the country. They, they brought us in for a week for this training. 
and, uh, and, and she was very open and honest. And, and she, she just mentioned that she was talking to us. She said, you know, she said the next four or five days, we're going to introduce you to all the inner workings of the company and, and how all of our systems work and, and what your role as a, as a manager would be uh, with the company, what all is involved in making it happen, managing your people, all this kind of stuff. And she said, one of two things will happen to you in the next four or five days. She said, number one, you will either, you will either love the system, you'll love what we're doing here, and you'll want to jump in with all four feet and, and move into a leadership role with the company. She said, or number two, you will realize that this is not the path for you in the company, and you may realize that, that you want to stay in a, in a selling role, customer-facing role, and, and kind of be the go out there, the type A, go out there and make things happen kind of person. And uh, I said, okay. So I sat through about the first half day of this thing, and and for the first three hours, we were sitting there with a with a notebook computer on our workstation area, and all we did was look at reports from different territory sales territories all throughout the day. And right before we broke for lunch, the person leading that class said that about 80% of your time will be monitoring your activity of your territory and making sure that everybody's kind of staying on track and trying to identify areas where people are having challenges, where you can go help them, and then look at areas where people are doing well so maybe you can duplicate that in some other areas. And uh, so I went up to that VP of sales at lunchtime. I said, um, I said, I, I want to thank you. First of all, let me come to this, this training. It seems that there's some great things going on here. But I can tell you right now that I'm part of that group that you talked about that was second. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to sit behind a computer eight, 10 hours a day and, and cut crash numbers. I want to be out in the field talking to customers and making things happen. That, that's where my, my strength was. And, uh, and she kind of laughed. She shook her. She goes, you know, she said, we usually have about five or six people every time we do this training that tell us the same thing. And she said, you know, we, we need great salespeople in the field and we need to identify the people who will be our best leaders from a management standpoint. And that's what this training is all about. And so I, I was I was very happy that they had we had that conversation. My point in this is simply this. A lot of times people get moved out of a sales role into a sales manager role and their skill sets just don't fit. Mm -hmm. and, and so what ends up happening there is they end up trying to make things happen in the, as a manager that they were having to make happen as a sales representative. And so that, that usually doesn't work because if they do have a, as a sales manager, if they have a new sales rep that is struggling, oftentimes that sales manager, instead of sitting down and working with that new sales rep and helping them get through the, the situation that they're faced with, they just go out there and do it for them. They'll go on the appointments with them and they'll, they'll talk to the customer. They'll close the business. They'll make things happen. And the new rep doesn't really learn a whole lot by doing that. And so that, that's why when we talk about the sales manager role, I think what a lot of sales managers and what a lot of, you know, even the, the, higher, the, the VPs of marketing, VPs of sales need to understand that there's a big difference between being a manager and being a coach. And I think especially in today's world now with things that are going to be happening over the next 6, 12, 18 months, possibly two years as we come out of the situation, it's, it's going to take somebody in that role of coach who can work with it with a new person that's learning some new skills, some new technologies, new ways of working with customers. And if, if they see that person having a challenge, the manager doesn't need to swoop in in the big red cape and make it all right. They need to work with that person and help them see what they can do, the small steps they can take to fix that situation themselves. So, so that role of being a manager versus being a coach is one that the, the sales managers or people with that title need to understand that there's a bit major difference there. 
And so, especially, you know, if, if, if new sales reps are not able to sit down with somebody face to face and they've never done that before in a selling role, that's going to be a bit of a different environment for them. So they need to understand how to, um, to, to meet the, meet the new sales rep where they are and then help them take the steps to get them where they want to be instead of trying to make one big giant leap from just starting off to where they think they could be. Right. Excellent. That's excellent advice. And um, I've heard that before that uh, some organizations, um, exactly the exact scenario you were, you were explaining, they see these really great salespeople and they think, wow, if I could just duplicate that a hundred times, our firm would be amazing. And so they pull them out of the field and put them in either management or training. And those salespeople end up just, they don't do well in that role to begin with and they hate it. And oftentimes they make less money um, as a result and find themselves frustrated because they're typically not struggling with um, fears about prospecting or networking and can be really frustrated if their sales, um, new sales reps do. So that's um, a great, great advice and great perspective for um, sales managers to keep in mind. So one thing, one thing too, another note there, Susie, is, is oftentimes when, when a, if, they, if a company does pull a good rep out of the field and put them into a manager role, they will, uh, when it comes around to hiring new people, they have to be careful because they, they tend to want to hire a bunch of people that are just like them. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, again, that may, depending on the industry, depending on the product, depending on the situation, that may or may not be a good thing for the organization. So we have to be careful about that piece of it as well. Yep, that's a really great point. We see that quite often. That's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Gafford, see his website at jeromegafford.com. That's J-E-R-O-M-E-G-A-F-F-O-R-D.com.